What's up guys, I'm Jack Noll and this is Decoding Athletes with myself and Nick Bright. So welcome to the Decoding Athletes podcast. It's me, Nick Bright, and joining me from his gym down in the South West, it's Exeter Chiefs and England winger Jack Noll. Jack, what's on boy? What's on, mate? What's on? You like that one, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get into the, the, the Cornish phrases now, you know what I mean? I, I feel like a local when I go down there. You're learning quick, mate. You're learning quick. Just to set the scene, you're uh, you're in your gym, as mentioned. Some nice graffiti behind. Is that something you did, the, the, the graffiti behind, or what? I, I, I wish, mate. I wish I was as talented. Uh, now, there was a guy just up the road for me, Alfie Edits. He's, uh, he's a bit of a wizard with the spray can, so uh, he wanted to come over and do a bit of freestyle for me. So I said, yep, yeah, come over, gym um and, and do your worst mate yeah yeah it looks proper sick and uh, have you been uh have you been working out in the gym today uh, it was actually a bit of a few boring stuff so it was a bit of rehab uh a bit of foot conditioning stuff like that uh, i did a little bit on the bike as well just on that you know because i'm i i do go to the gym and i'm and I'm in no way trying to compare what i do in the gym with a with a professional athlete at the highest level like yourself but i am terrible for like when I got to do any cardio stuff like that, I'm just not about it. So you say you've been on the bike. Is, is that something you enjoy, or are you like me, trying to just waiting for it to be over? No, nah, mate. I I hate anything to do with CV or running or anything like that. To be honest, I kind of do it because you got to do it. So if I go back to the club in in bad shape or in bad nick, then uh, obviously I get found out. But um, I'm lucky in rugby. I do like little short bursts and stuff like that. So there's no long distance running or anything for me. Right, you're not trying to be the next Mo Farah or anything like that. Definitely not, mate. I'd be eating alive out there if I was. <laughs> <laughs> right, so today we're we're decoding your culture. So you know, I know you're a very proud Cornishman, um, as as m- many people from Cornwall are. So I, I want to find out what Cornwall means to you. You know, what is that Cornish sense of identity, and what sets you know people from that neck of the woods apart from from everybody else i think the main thing is it's weird isn't it because we're kind of we're, we're down there we're out the way like we're way way down there like i'm living in devon and exeter at the moment and my house is still two hours away from me mm. so it is the fact that we are down there we're out the way you know we've got our beaches we've got the sea you know the summertime down there is phenomenal like the weather is class the beaches are class the, the waves are class um so i kind of i think it's just the way we're all brought up you know it's very chilled down there uh, a bit backwards at times, a bit slow, but do you know what I mean? It, it, it's what makes what we are at the moment. So, you know, you can't complain about it. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, you're you're very proud to be from there and you, and you make sure everybody know, every, everybody out there knows that that's where you're repping. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, lo- lo- loads of things. I think the fact that, you know, the county is so rugby driven, you know, we don't have a big team, you know, we've got Cornish Pirates down there in the second league, but you know, like there's so many local teams and the amount of people that come and watch and support rugby or play rugby growing up, um, it's classic. That's what kind of brings us all together. And the fact that how much support I get now from everyone back home still, I haven't lived at home for 10 years, but the amount of messages I get from everyone pre-game, you know, if we've got a big game coming up, you'd be sure to know that, you know, half of Cornwall are down watching. Like sometimes they close the streets. I, I think it was my first, it was my first cap for England. I think, um, one of the pubs down there, literally one of the roads was shut and they completely shut shop everything. You know, the pub was just rammed. Uh, it was on the big screens down there and just like my mum and dad, that's when my mum and dad actually watched it and they said it was absolutely mental. Well, just just on that quickly then, is it is it a bit is it a bit crazy for you then when you go back to Cornwall? You know, I don't like using the, the, the celebrity tag that often because whenever you speak to people that do have some kind of level of fame, 
often they don't like it either. But, you know, when you go to certain places in Cornwall, are you clocked by loads of people and they're like, you know, you don't have to put your hand in your pocket or whatever if you're going in a pub? No, mate, it's the complete opposite. <laughs> um, really? I wouldn't, cha- I wouldn't change it, but it is complete opposite. Like, if I go back home and I, you know, I go for a pint with my mates, I try, I'll make sure and, I try and see all my best mates um, from school and stuff every time I go home. So I'll go into one of the local pubs and stuff and you guarantee they're the first people to say, nope, Jack's home so you can buy the pints. <laughs> so it is complete opposite. And, you know, most people speak to my dad more than they speak to me. Um, but it's the same it's the same as when I was, you know, 16, 15 down there. Um, you see people across the road, they just give you the head nod. Um, they go, what's up, Jack? And then, you know, that's pretty much as far as the conversation goes, really. <laughs> right, fair enough. Well, well let's move into, into family then. And I want to talk about yours and, and what it was like growing up with... What is quite a big family uh, in Cornwall? Yeah, I, I've i got a, a massive family. On my mum's side, it's only her and my auntie. So my nana and granddad had two two little girls. Um, so obviously my mum, my auntie, um, and then she's had two two daughters as well. So they're my two cousins that side. But then on my dad's side, it's a different story. You know, he's got four other brothers and sisters who've all had four or five kids, who then have also all had kids. So I think in total, there's about 30 or 40 of us on my dad's side. And to be fair, like we're very, very close that side as well. Um, you know, every Sunday we used to meet up at my nan's house. There'd be 30 of us running around, going for, running around our house. But every single Sunday morning we'd be meeting up down there. And that's, that was kind of a, a tradition when we were younger. But yeah, it, it is mental that side, but it's class as well. Like I love going home now and catching up with them. You know, we rarely get to do it anymore because everyone's grown up, got their own kids, doing their own stuff. Uh, but you know, Christmas time's always a big time, and you know, there's always always occasional in the summer as well. Mm. Well, you mentioned your mum there a few times, so I think it's the perfect time to get a couple of guests on. First up on today's podcast, we are keeping it close to home with a couple of family members: Jack's mum Louisa and your brother Frankie, who's actually looking to follow in your footsteps. Jack, 16 years old and ripping it up in the Exeter Chiefs Academy by all accounts. Guys, welcome to the show. Here we go. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, not too bad. Right, straight off the bat, I, I want to get into this with you, Louisa. What was, what was Jack like growing up? You can tell me if he was really naughty. I can I answer this one. Stories. <laughs> well, here we go. Look, straight away. Oh, go on, and you have it. You have it. Uh, well, actually, pretty much like he is now. Exactly like he is now. He hasn't changed a lot. I must admit. <laughs> Mischievous then. Yeah, cheeky is the word. Nicely put, cheeky. No, I'd say I've grown up a little bit now. Oh, well, slightly. um i I also wanted to find out about um you know this passion for rugby or for sport was it something that jack and frankie discovered themselves or or was it a direction that you know you and 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 their dad kind of pushed them into about pushing definitely encouraged definitely i've always liked sport played a lot of school and things like that afterwards but it's just something my uncles both played rugby his dad played rugby so yeah it was just take them down to the rugby ground and sort of get them to join in if they are you gonna want. i know this is coming but are you gonna get onto the story of how i started because no? no all right no. well they... no. <laughs> you, you can't you, you can't tease us with that and not tell us now well, jack used to, used to take jack down to the rugby ground and he'd spend the least the first out of an hour's session, probably 45 minutes, clung to my leg crying, saying he didn't want to do yeah, it. Okay. So eventually he would join in and then it'd be time to go home. So we'd be like, oh, next time, next time. And then next time he went, he'd do it again. And we were like, oh my God. And then when he actually did get into enjoying it a little bit, his dad stupidly told him one 
game that he'd give him a pound for every try he made. And I think he made 12 tries that game. So we didn't do that one again. No, it's all about the money. Oh, I, was, I was earning more money back then than I am now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie, I wanted to ask you, what, 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 what's Jack like as a, as a big brother? Because I've got two older brothers, the reason I'm asking this question. And, and uh, they let me know my place in the pecking order. Let's, let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess uh, he tells me, if I'm doing things right and what, what I'm doing, but uh, you, it is usually good. But then sometimes right. there's negatives to it all. Did you guys try other sports then when you were growing up? Because, Louisa, I noticed you said that they were sporty or you were sporty, you're a sporty family. So was it, was it just straight in at rugby or were there other things that you wanted them to try? No, it was like every week was like Monday was hockey, Tuesday was swimming, Thursday was something else, Friday was rugby. It was like every night of the week would be some different club, um, which they enjoyed all of it. That was the thing. They did enjoy all of it. It wasn't until they got a bit older and you get to that age where you then have to start making choices. Frankie was prime one for that. He used to play football and rugby at quite a good um, level when he was at secondary school and then sort of come the end of secondary school he really did have to sort of say right am I going to go do the football bit or the rugby bit so yeah obviously rugby took over at that point. I was better than at football though what was it yeah I was, I was just about to say you know did you play football and also what was it about rugby that that, that made you both gravitate towards that I swam a lot and I, I was I was pretty good at swimming um but i never enjoyed yeah. it like it used to force us to go <laughs> swimming on swimming clubs on a, on a wednesday morning at 6 30 you know i i hated it but because it was very individual whereas the reason i played rugby was because you know i was always with my mates it was a team thing i anything by myself i didn't like doing don't you, don't you think doing doing a sport even though you didn't particularly enjoy it has put you in good stead now i mean like now you'll get, you love swimming in the sea, going surfing, paddle, but you love all that. But it probably stems from the fact that you swam a lot as a kid. So Jack, is, is part of that love for swimming because of where you grew up? You know, you know, um, the, the beach is, is, is readily available all over Cornwall. Yeah, I, I definitely. That's the biggest thing that I miss living in Devon and Exeter now is a lot of people from London or up north or anything like that. Like, oh, you live in Devon, you must have the beaches, the sea, like... We've got the sea, it's nice, but compared to the beaches in Cornwall, it's a different level, isn't it? Like, mum, you guys now, you go swimming most mornings still, don't you? Yeah, yeah, even now, yeah. So, like, so obviously when we go home, like, Zoe, Zoe we quite often go for a swim, and, you know, December time, whatever whatever the time of the year is, we tend to go in the water whenever we can, to be honest. It's so accessible down here. It's just so easy to, to sort of, like, jump in the car and, like, literally two minutes or somewhere you can just jump in the sea. Whereas I know where you are, you have to sort of drive 15 minutes to get anywhere near the coast. So. Yeah, like 15, yeah. 15, 20 minutes, yeah, at least. 15, 20 minutes sounds lovely. For me, you've got to drive two hours to get to anywhere near, near the sea. But but speaking of the sea, actually, this this brings me on nicely to, to, to the family business because there is there is another side to the Knoll family. And, and just tell us about that, if you could, Louisa. Jack, Frankie's dad owns, uh, well, his partners with his brother. They own a, a fishing business. Um, which they own three large trawlers, which go to sea every every week, spend an eight days eight days at sea and then home again for a couple of days. My question is then, Jack, Frankie, both of you, have you been have you ever been on the trawler? Have you been roped into working on the trawler? <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it something your dad's constantly banging on? I um about? I used to land with him in the morning. So like we used to get up five o'clock in the morning, basically because I'd earn twenty quid. Um and when I was 13 you know 12 13 20 quid was class <laughs> so 20 quid was a lot of money so i um so i used to go landing with him a lot 
Um, I've, I've been out on the boat in the bay and stuff, uh, but I've never had a trip. But if Frankie doesn't make it playing rugby, I'm pretty sure he'll carry on the business. <laughs> That's what he said. They'll get sent to sea if they don't become professional uh, rugby players. That's <laughs> clearly why you're all so good at rugby, trying to avoid going out on the trawler. But Frankie, what about you? Is, is, is it something that, you know, hearing your mum say that, is it, is it something you'd, you'd like to do if the rugby doesn't necessarily work out how you want it to? Never. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be your answer. Also, you, you said, Jack, what did you say? 20 quid to go out on the, on the trawler? No, we didn't go out. So, the, um, so the, when the boats used to come in, um, they'd always come in early morning. Um, so it'd be about four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. And then dad would used to ring mum and then mum would wake me up. Then I'd walk down to the quay. Uh, then I'd, right. then I'd jump in the fish room or I'd jump on the back of the lorry and I would move the box. Right, I'd right. move the boxes of fish, um, put them in, in the right spots for him and stuff. But that's, that's as close I've come. Trying to do the maths in my head. You know, it was a quid a try. <laughs> But you're getting you're getting twenty quid for for doing it. Sure, surely it was more economical for you to go into the family business. What happened, <laughs> mate? I used to work from like four till ten. It was hard. It's thirteen it years old. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I wanted to move on to when you won the European Champions Cup because there's this um this lovely story about your dad popping up on a FaceTime call uh with the the, the well done son uh pr- pretty. Pretty kind of chilled for when you've done something amazing like that. But Louisa, did you go a bit more over the top with your praise? No, it's about the same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like we've been doing it forever. I know Jack's only 27, but when you've been doing it since they were like, you know, going every weekend and going to every game since they've been sort of like tackers, it does feel like a, but it's still... I mean, obviously, when you're watching it live, so different, so different. And that's when you get really emotional watching it. In a way, Jack, is, is, it, is it your family that keep your feet on the ground? Because you are doing, you know, incredible stuff uh, with, with the Chiefs and with England. But it sounds like, you know, your mum and your dad uh, don't want you to get too big headed and, and float up into the sky. Yeah, I think they're all the first people to take the piss out of me, to be honest, if anything changes. <laughs> but they are like, obviously, with my, my partner at home now, my two little girls, probably Zoe's one that, you know, I get injured quite a lot. And then I'll come home in a bit of a mood or I'll come home, you know, if we've lost a game or won a game. And Zoe doesn't have a clue about rugby. She doesn't know what position I play. She knows I'm, I play number 14 because that's the number I've got on my back. She knows what team I play for, but that's probably about it, to be honest. So if I do come in with a bit of a, you know, face like a slapped ass, she will say, look, sort yourself out. Um, or leave the house and come back in in a better mood. And it is, it's obviously a bigger picture, you know, for me, I've learned having two little girls, rugby isn't, rugby isn't everything. Um, obviously, it's a massive thing that I'm doing at the moment. But that's why I like going home so much as well to mum and dad. He comes home and the first thing he does is walk in our house and goes to the fridge and goes, <laughs> <laughs> and that's after I've been shopping. No, nah, get, nah, get this though, get, get this though. Um, my sister, she's the big one, isn't she? Ella. She always winds up mum because when mum goes to shopping, she'll buy, she won't buy Heinz ketchup. She'll buy normal ketchup. Frankie, you'll say as well, won't you? What does mum do? That's hot. Just when Jack's home, there's always more food. (laughs) (laughs) You know when Jack is coming home because every cupboard is filled to the top. (laughs) That's right, because the favourite, the favourite's coming home. So. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Careful. Favourite. Just on that, actually, um, how do you feed two, you know, strapping rugby lads? It, it, it can't be cheap. You know, you've got, you got to make sure they got all their nutrition in. Yeah, tell me about it. I used to wake up at something stupid, like six o'clock in the morning, just to cook Jack chicken and noodles and broccoli and things like that before we went to college. And, 
and and that was like 10 years ago but i'm still doing it now so it's like one day it'll end one day yeah but we're not even the worst henry probably is more than us yeah the middle the middle boy is just as bad as well so yeah they're all, they're all the same jack and frankie this is this is kind of one for you guys because you've come through the chiefs academy and, and stuff like that and i wanted to ask you about how they instill that kind of philosophy and discipline and love of the game into kids. So Frankie, I'll, I'll ask you first on that one. Just keeping it so like normal because ev- everything you do is together. And when you're training, it's all fun. It's never taken too seriously. Like you, everyone's having fun together. When it, even when it comes to games and you're playing your best games, it's sort of, you're still having fun with all your mates. It's never taken like, over the top, if you know what I mean. Like even I guess even Jack would probably agree when he go. He's obviously playing for the main team. Is sort of going up through the stages. It's kind of the same. Never taking obviously when it when it comes to it, everyone knows when it's to take it seriously. But it's always, you're always having fun with it as well. Jack, would you would you say it's changed um, since since you were there? Um, did you look at the academy now and see things that are different compared to when you were in the academy? Yeah, like massively, I think. Um, obviously there was a big group of us that came through together, uh, when I was Frankie's age, which was, you know, awesome. But kind of, I look at, I look at those boys now in their academy, like Frankie, Frankie's been coming to the club since he was 14. Like mum, mum and dad would drive him up for every home game. So every single time we played a home game, which is normally every other week, um, they would get the academy boys in the morning. So Frankie and his team, you, you, you were 14, 15. So Frankie would be in there training in the morning. Whereas, um, when I was 14, 15, I was still at school. Do you know what I mean? I didn't really do anything to do with Exeter. Um, nothing to do with men's rugby. It wasn't until I was 16, 17, where I actually started speaking to Exeter a little bit. Um, and they said, look, we think you're good enough for a bit of men's rugby. We spoke to Red Roof, which is one of our local sides down there. Uh, and they said, look, give it a crack. Men's rugby. I remember mum and dad, when I was younger, 16, I think you used to have to write me notes to go and play with the men, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I have to give permission to go and play with them um, until I was 17. So, like, the the setup that they've got at the club now, do you know what I mean? They're starting to do, like, uh, introducing weights and stuff, but doing it very professionally. Whereas us, it was pretty much just being at college, a bit of men's rugby. I remember playing three or four games a week when I was his age, whereas now it's all monitored, their weights are monitored. Uh, They've got so many coaches. uh, It's so much better now to be honest. Right. Well, listen, um, it's been amazing talking to you both, Louisa and Frankie. Uh, thank you for your stories about, about Jack and, you know, the family business and stuff like that. That's quite right. Thank you for having us. Take care. See, see you guys next week. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fill those fridges as well, would you? Jeez. Right, Jack, we've got a, uh, we've got another guest to get on. It's, it, they're coming thick and fast, mate. Thick and fast, mate. Get them going. Right, rejoining us right now is Andrew Cotton, a.k.a. Cotty, uh, one of the world's best and most respected big wave surfers and part of the Red Bull family. What are you laughing at? I don't know, where was that? Was that on my website? I don't know where you're going from. What's up, Cotty, boy? Don't do yourself down. What's on, boy? Yeah, not bad, mate. Just um, in the van, you know, hanging out uh, in Portugal. Living the dream, you know. Mate, you see, he's a Southwest lad as well. He didn't even bat an eyelid when you said what's on then. Yeah, classic. I'm, I'm, I'm in the family now. Look at that. I'm, I'm, I'm well and truly. So he's, he's been trying to teach me a few Cornish phrases. <laughs> We've got Cotty on the podcast, and you've talked about your love of the water. So, are you a big surfer, Jack? Well, mate, I'm a fake surfer compared to him, mate. <laughs> um, see some of the stuff he does. Uh, yeah, mate. To, when, when I was younger, you know. It was. It's harder not to surf or be in the water. Um, 
obviously where I'm from, you know, any single beach, we've got Gwen versus Senen, um, you know, Prey Sands, we've got anywhere like this down there, um, where it's literally like a 10 minute drive from wherever your house is and you'll find yourself at a beach. Um, so whether you didn't want to do it, whether you did, you find yourself in the water anyway on a board. You know, all of my mates surf still now. So it's kind of something we all just did together. But like Cotty said there, you know, a lot of our boys now at the club are getting into it as well. We've got a few boys from London, you know, all, all around the world. A couple of Aussie boys over as well. Um, but that's tend to where we go as well. We go up to Puttsburgh uh, and places like that up in North Devon. So when, when, well, when we get the chance to. Right. I, I, want, I want to find out from, from both of you about surfing in, in Cornwall, because it seems like it's such a big thing. You know, as a, as a Londoner myself, I know about Newquay and I know how many people like to go there and, and, and try out surfing. But I guess, Cotty, you're, you're more qualified to answer this question. No offence, Jack. But why do you think it is so big down there? I, I'm from Devon, though. That's the first thing. So there's a bit of a rivalry going on here. Yeah. Right? We're, we're right, the same okay, southwest, okay. but you know there's a bit of a thing, Devon Cornwall. <laughs> okay, right. Well, straight okay, away right, we can exploit fine, that. Like, it's fine. Um, surfing. I don't know. Well, to be honest, like um, there's some amazing beaches in the southwest as, as a whole. Probably some better ones in Devon, but there's a few in Cornwall too. Whoa, 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 whoa! Go back, go back. <laughs> Devon, Devon, one coast, north coast, you know, I'll give you that. There's some nice beaches there. But whereas Cornwall, mate, it's the whole coast. Yeah, all right, yeah. No, there are, no. Yeah, you, you got me, yeah. You, you thank you, thank you. Right, carry on, mate, carry on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well, just, just, just on that then, um, when, you were, when you were growing up then, Cotty, I might, I might be exposing you a bit here, but when you were growing up, did you travel to Cornwall to uh to surf then be honest well usually not um so i grew up in north devon um i was was back probably like 20 minutes from the beach so my folks used to to take me to the to the beach like over the weekends and stuff um when i got into competing in my like sort of early teens uh we generally went to Cornwall to compete so most of the competitions were in newquay um but like to be honest, I've always just really surfed at home, which is like North Devon. There's, there's quite a few nice beaches locally, like Croyd, Saunton, Puttsburgh. And they, they sort of, it gives you good options, like uh, different conditions, that, like, depending on like winds and stuff and tides. So I've always just sort of like hung at home, to be honest. I mean, this might be a ridiculously stupid question, but I mean, I've got two pro athletes on in two different sports. But, you know, you mentioned there, Jack, some of the rugby boys are getting into surfing or wanting to have a go. But in my mind, these big strapping rugby guys, surely they're not the right shape to be taking up surfing. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, mate, if if Crotty's on the beach or a few of the locals up there and they see us boys rocking up, they're going to think, who the hell are these fat bastards in a, in a wetsuit? Um <laughs> But um, no, like it's weird, mate, because it is completely different to what we do every day. And to go away there, it's kind of like we use it as recovery, obviously, to be in the water. But it's just something completely different that freshens you up a little bit. And, you know, when you're not on a rugby field, the last thing you want to be doing is thinking about rugby. And when you are in the water, when you are surfing, it's something completely different to what we do. That's why I think so many boys, you know, fall in love with it and do it. Cotty, I've got one for you about kind of how you got into surfing, because, you know, how did you find out about, kind of professional surfing where did you see it who were the big names when you were growing up um, i had pretty bad asthma as a kid so like swimming and sort of being any like, like that sort of stuff i was i did quite a lot of swimming surf life saving and then it just sort of transcended into surfing to be honest it was never ever really considered a profession 
or a professional sport. <laughs> like the, the guys I sort of looked up to probably were like this, you know, like Kelly Slater and stuff like that. But there wasn't really, you know, I can remember sort of telling my careers officer as a kid, you know, I wanted to be a professional surfer and it was sort of considered, you know, we, you know, it's not even a, you can't be a professional surfer, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> not optional. It's not optional. Mm. You know? And and here we are now. I mean, do you obviously you clearly remember <laughs> that careers advisor because, you know, look what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. You know, to, to be fair, like I, I'm really fortunate. Um, I, f- I found like a niche within surfing, you know, I always thought, um, if I was ever going to do it professionally, I thought I'd, I'd be doing like, like competitions. Believe me, I, I tried really hard at competition surfing, but uh, it's just, it was never my sort of like, you know, my cup of tea really. And I, I never really did very well in it. It's sick though, you know, like, because it's something that you always wanted to do. And I love it when stories like that happen, you know, something you said you wanted to do from when you were young. And it was like one of those things that, you know, serious people were like, oh, you know, you can never do that. And here we are, you're doing it. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's massive. And sometimes you forget that, I guess, when you're in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think, it's, you know, it's just being, following, like, your heart and, and what you're passionate about, just, it, you know, it is important. And you do get sidetracked, and you know, like, and I and I sort of did give up, give up on it. And I, but it wasn't until actually probably, I, I retrained as a plumber, like, in my mid-20s. And I, mm. and, like, I, did that and I was doing it for like four or five years all just suddenly hit me I think I was like nearly 30 I was like I can't be a plumber for the rest of my life like I can't you know what I mean like this is I can't do it you know like and I think that 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 was the having that real job like that nine to five so to speak I think it actually motivated me more to put more effort into my surfing and to follow my sort of real passion which is big waves yeah well, I, I, I want to find out more about Big Wave in a sec. But Jack, I just wanted to ask you, you know, you've got the family business, I guess, that you could have fall, uh, fell back on. But let's ignore that and pretend the family business isn't there. So if you if you didn't make it as a rugby player, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, God. Um, Professional surfer. Know, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I've seen some of the pictures and I've seen your videos, mate. I will not be a big wave surfer, put it that way. <laughs> um, Listen, mate, there's still time when you retire. You can, you can get down there and, uh, and do it then. <laughs> right, but let's let's get on to, to to big wave surfing. Nick, have you have you have you seen any have you seen any of the pictures or anything or the videos of Cotty? Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen videos of big of big wave surfing before, and it's it. Yeah, no offense, Cotty. But you have to be slightly bonkers, in my opinion, to do what you do. A hundred percent. I agree with you on that. Mate. It is phenomenal, <laughs> really, you know, seeing seeing you guys do this stuff. I mean, my first question, I guess, Cotty, is how do you get the confidence to do it? Because I would be so scared straight away. I mean, I'm a coward anyway, but I'd be I'd be proper scared to get involved with waves like that. It's the same with anything. If you do it enough, like, like, and it's not, you don't, you don't go from like, I haven't gone from like, uh, my local beach break to like you know straight to you know 80 foot Nazare this you know there's been like a transition of like 30 years of of experience in in, in the ocean and but um I don't know just kind of like challenging challenging myself and I the, the motivation is like um you know you could be plumbing and dancehall you know like like, like <laughs> i don't know like, that's... it's just something that you felt like you, you you wanted to do and you've built up to where you are now biggest wave you've surfed then i don't know even how you measure waves like like i saw numerous people catch waves which were just ridiculous you know like mind-boggling like like i just i just thought back to like how far we've come in the last 
um, as as big wave surfers, like as a community, like how far we've come in the last like five or six years, like people are just pushing boundaries and performances are like going up higher and higher, the tech and the safety and it was just nuts, you know, and it was definitely the most big, big waves I've ever seen ridden. It was just nuts, you know, and I, um, so I think, yeah, I, I think the waves are probably like 80 feet. I don't know. I don't know how big, you know, like I mean... it was massive. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about it like that's, yeah, I mean, you said it was massive at the end, but you're like, I don't know, they're probably about 80 feet. That's, for most people, they'd be running in the opposite direction. I know I would, that's for sure. But it's not just about that moment you hit the water when it comes to, to, to big wave surfing, because you've got to track storms and, and stuff like that to find out when and where a big wave is coming. So just talk to us about that side of things. Jack gets his fixture list and you know he knows what his games are or you know and he has his training plan um like for me my season starts usually like the winter North Atlantic starts between like October through to March but then it's just open it's an open schedule and you're just like looking at weather charts tracking lows um wind conditions you become really geeky with like how you know um forecasting and you have your favorite websites which you go to and um which you know predict the long range forecast and your, your favorite spots that you want to surf which you know usually have the, the best waves and you guys have um worked together in the past haven't you you've done a, a number of workshops together for the exeter chiefs um around kind of breathing exercises and stuff like that so could you just tell me a little bit about that uh Cotty, maybe like a few years ago i was like right how can i um make myself better and more confident and the first thing that that jumped out at me is obviously I, I need to be able to hold my breath for, for long periods of time um under high heart rate and then also I need to recover quickly um before I get the next wave on the head or before I can get my next wave or whatever so I started looking into breath holding courses and um free diving stuff and then as I started delving deeper into it um I just it just started opening up loads of like I said, well, like I just didn't realise how badly I was breathing and how inefficient I was. And then, I, then I was using it to, to like not just recover, but and to increase my breath hold, but also for preparation, sleep, recovery. Um, and then I sort of realising how like beneficial it was, to, not just to like big wave surfing, but for loads of stuff. I found it really beneficial. Um, so with my with my uh, trainer Andrew Blake. And we've done a couple of workshops with a few, um, well, with the Exeter Chiefs about, you know, breathing techniques and stuff like that and recovery and, you know, how, how to like sort of breathe efficiently. Um, just the stuff that I've, I've been using and found useful for surfing, you know, and how it transcends into like other sports. Or so. Like Cotty said as well, recovery, sleep, you know, people don't realise how much it can help you. When you look at breathing, everyone, you know, everyone could breathe, everyone does it. But until you actually realise what you're doing or how it can help you or how you can be better at it, um, until you actually try it, you'll never know, I think. So yeah. it's, it's massively for it's massive for our sport as well. It's, it's a really interesting point, actually. Uh, and, and Cotty, you know, maybe when you want to you want to you wanna retire from chasing big waves and stuff like that, uh, there's a future in kind of coaching there because, you know, sports teams now, they have coaches for every little thing. So yeah. who knows? You know, maybe knock on the door at the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right listen cotty um lovely having you on mate thanks yeah thanks for having me great to talk to you cheers cotty mate catch you soon man 
what a guy. Um, in, interesting, you know, story and and uh, and character. Really, it seems like. I mean, this is all about you know my culture, and it seems like Cornwall and the Southwest. We need to add because you know I don't want Cotty to get upset that we're roping him into Cornwall. It seems like there's a there's a pool for talent down there, Jack. Again, mate. I think just you know, like I said about Cornwall and stuff. Like you can cut, you can tell just from. Like speaking with Cotty, like how chilled out he is. Do you know what I mean? He was like he said, he was a plumber when he was twenty. And now he obviously's got a family and stuff like that as well. But now he's just, you know, he's surfing, he's living his dream, he's riding these big waves and like we didn't get a chance to speak about it, mate, but like some of his injuries he's had as well and he's overcome. Um I think he broke his back and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's it's absolutely mental to think what he's what he's been through and what he's doing. But um again, you wouldn't think he surfs these eighty foot waves speaking to him. Do you know what I mean? He's sat there in Portugal in his van. Um just chilling out mate which is it's class to see yeah i loved it i loved it um so it just goes to show you that you know whether you're a, a fisherman a young rugby player or a big wave server uh, then then cornwall is is and the southwest clearly the places uh, to be Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Decoding Athletes as Jack gave you a little insight into what it's like to be an elite rugby player Remember, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe for free at Spotify, Apple, Amazon and all major podcast platforms so you don't miss any of the new episodes as they're released. And while you're there, give the podcast a rating and let us know what you think of it or who you'd like to hear next in the reviews. There are video versions of all the episodes and loads more, including Series 1 of Decoding Athletes with eight-time BMX Flatland world champion Matthias Dandois, plus a whole host of incredible sports people for you to enjoy at redbull.com forward slash decoding. Until next time, bye-bye.